One announcement that was failed to mention this morning is that we'd like to welcome you back only tonight at 5 o'clock, but we have a brother in Christ, Jimmy Fleming, that will be give us our lesson tonight. And we're looking forward to hear him. I was talking to uh, Charlie and Sheila Becker this morning before I came up here, and I don't care how old I get, y'all. If you put a symbols between my knees, y'all won't be able to hear nothing in here be so loud because I'm so nervous. I don't care how old I get. I guess I'll always be nervous when I get up here. They said that's because you care. I hope that's honestly the truth. I will not stop coming up here. I don't care how nervous I am. Before we get into our lesson this morning, I would like to share one story with you. And I will leave it to you what you think about it, whether you think it's the truth or whether it's not. You can ask the family that I'm fixing to talk about. There is a young couple in here that, that I very deeply in my heart that I've watched them come up from children to grown up, especially the young father. You see, he was age, the same age as my daughter. As we went through school, I watched him grow up. As he hung with my daughter, as he's in school together, he really touched my heart. And to this day, he touches my heart. His wonderful wife that means so much to me, and then their children are such a blessing. That's Timothy and Sabrina Tucker. They'll always be there to me and always mean to me. But this story is not so much about them as it about their young son, Elijah. You see, they have come over and brought him over to the house. Elijah asks questions, Elijah does things. But I had the opportunity a few years ago to sit in class with Elijah, and as the teacher was explaining the story of Solomon and Gomorrah as it was destroyed, and so Lot and his family not to look back or that they would turn into a pillar of salt, and Lot's wife did, Elijah raised his hand. And the teacher says, Elijah, do you have something that will benefit the class? And says, yes, ma'am, I do. He says, what do you have, Elijah? He said, my mother was upset with me one morning, and she was driving me to school, and she looked back at me in the mirror, and she turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll leave that with y'all, and you can talk to Elijah. But I love the family to death, and they're precious. You know, have you ever thought about what will happen after we die. The story that comes this morning that I will be reading the verses from the rich man and Lazarus. Many times you read the stories and you see them over and over again, but there's something else pops out into it. I have named this lesson, One Minute After Death. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the answer to that is through the rich man and Lazarus? As you follow along with me this morning, I would like to read the story or parable, then come back and discuss each verse with you. Beginning in Luke 16, verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. 
Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments and Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in his flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus even things, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between you, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, that, that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from the pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, that they also come to the place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets neither, Will they be persuaded through one rises from the dead? We're going to go back now and we will start back at the beginning as we look at each verse and discuss what is said to be done. The reading that I just did, we are not left to, we are not left to guess about this. God has pulled back the curtain for a glimpse beyond the grave, even given us a conversation there. Jesus now tells a story, or maybe even a parable. It is not difficult to tell. However, it does not matter because the truths are true in either case. Riches will not save you, and after death, one cannot change his eternal destiny. In verse 19, as we read earlier, it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. See, clothed in purple and fine linen and fair sumptuous every way, in the case that he had the best clothes money could buy. Fair and sumptuously every day in the case that he feasted in luxury every day. He had the best. He had everything you would think of upon this earth. The best, finest food, the finest clothes. You know, purple was the most expensive colors you could get. It came from the oils out of a snail. So you see back then how hard it would to have the money to be clothed in purple. But there was something about, about this rich man. He was disgusted in the sight of God. As we go to verse 20, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. Here, Lazarus was the opposite of the rich man. He had nothing. He even laid at the gate, hoping that he could get crumbs from the table so he could survive. In addition, he was afflicted with sores. Could you imagine being in that state? Could you be imagined that you had to lay at a gate, wishing and hoping they could just have crumbs from a table? 
As we move down to verse 21, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Lazarus just wanted the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. See, dogs in those times are unclean, not like they're household pets now. They lived off the dead animals in garbage. See, the dogs licking the sores threatened Lazarus with infection as ritual uncleanness. The rich man could not avoid seeing Lazarus. He was at the gate every day. The rich man did not order him to be moved. He didn't object if he ate the crumbs from his table. He did not kick Lazarus in the passing. He was not deliberately cruel to him. He just ignored him and did nothing, nothing to help him. And he had many, many opportunities to help Lazarus. One of the commentaries as I was getting this lesson together, back then they didn't have forks and spoons and knives. And they said that the rich people used loaves of bread to clean their hands before they ate. I don't know, but maybe this was the crumbs that Lazarus was just hoping from that fell down from the clean their hands. That doesn't matter. All we know is that Lazarus, he begged and wanted the crumbs. See, this rich man could have done anything. He passed him each day as he gone to his gate. No, that's right. He wasn't cruel to him. But there's one thing he didn't have. This rich man, he didn't have compassion in his heart was far, be, far from where God wanted it to be. As we move on down to verse 22, so it was that that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. You see, there's one thing about life. We're all going to go. My first experience with death I was five and a half years old. Oh, I don't understand it all, not till I got older. But I had a little cousin, my Uncle Robert and Helen, had a daughter, Kathy Cron. She was four years old. And I remember going to the casket, pulling myself up, and I looked over in it. And in the background, you could hear him say that she's not hurting anymore, that she's in a better place. All my aunts and uncles was raised in the church. They knew the word. But as they got older, some choose to, to go elsewhere. But regardless of this child's mother and dad, this child's okay. I know where this child is. Why? Because she was not at the age of accountability. You see, folks, as hard as it is to lose someone small, someone little, what a blessing it is to know where they're at. When you get older and you grow up, you're corrupt with the world, then we start having choices. And the choices can determine our destiny. But as I got older, I realized that little Kathy is okay. 
I understand where that better place was going to be in heaven. And I thrive and look for that day to see her again. You know, as we see both of these men die, both men died. One had a big funeral. And you can imagine which one that was. It was probably elaborate, everything they always wanted. But it's not the funeral that matters. What does matter is where the soul goes when one dies. Each one of us in here has a soul. And that's what God's talking about. He doesn't care how much money we have. He doesn't care how big we are or how little we are, how good looking or how ugly. All he matters is our soul. He looks in the inner part of us all, from our heart and our soul. As the story goes on, the angels came and took Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. What a comforting thought. The angels will take the righteousness to paradise. Isn't that wonderful? Just to think about that. The angels will take the righteousness to paradise. See, the bosom of Abraham represents what the Bible calls paradise. That verse indicates that those who die a physical death know their fate immediately. immediately. That's where I got my title, y'all. That's what hit me one minute after death. You see, immediately after death, within a minute, both of these men knew their fate. They knew how they lived and what they did, and they knew where they were headed. As we move on down to verse 23, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. See, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. But note the reversal of the fortune from verses 19 to 21. Here's the rich man was suffering, and Lazarus was at peace. In verse 24, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. See, the roles are now opposite now. The rich man becomes the bigger, and Lazarus is the one who is rich. The rich man was in torment, and he felt he could just get a little water. Just a little water would help his pain. But in verse 25, but Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Abraham now answers kindly to the rich man. He tells the rich man that he cannot grant his request for two reasons. First, it would be improper because the basic teachings of God is that a man reaps what he sows. 
And second, it would be impossible, as verse 26 will explain. The rich man had the ability to help others, but he chose a selfish life and refused to help others who had nothing or even less than nothing. Lazarus, on the other hand, he was a good man. His suffering was not because he was bad. He did not let his suffering separate him from God. See, sometimes when things happen bad to us, we want to blame God. When things are going good, we don't even look at God. God should be in our hearts through all of it. When something happens bad to good people, we need to take it and learn from it. There's something God is trying to tell us, not to blame him. He did not let his suffering separate him from God. He was true to God, and now he is receiving the reward, the reward of a faithful child of God. As we move on to verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. See, the second reason that Abraham could not grant the request for Lazarus to bring water to the rich man is because of that great fixed gulf that separates the righteousness from the wicked. You see, it's impossible to cross from one side to the other. This teaches us a great lesson for all mankind. One cannot change his eternal destiny after his death. You see, each one of us in here at this point, we can change our destiny. Do you know a minute after you're dead where you're headed? Will it be in a paradise and Abraham's bosom? Will it be in Hades? Our scripture are here. They're telling us. Yes, it hit me like a rock. And I've seen this, what he was telling me. One minute after death. There will be a thought that we will know. There will be a time for each one of us. Unless God comes before we die. And that's something, dear folks, we do not know. We do not know. You know that every minute that this world stands, we lose a soul. We lose a body from an accident, from diseases, from things that happen that we have no control of. It's kind of scary. One minute, one minute, every day that we are blessed with, somewhere in this world, they're losing their life. I often wondered, as I think about that, where their soul's going. What have they picked? But each morning, this, this morning, each one of us has that choice. To change our eternal destiny after death, we have any doubt. As we move down to verse 27, then he said, 
I beg you, therefore, Father, that you will send him to my father's house. The rich man does not argue with the plight of Abraham. He accepts it as true. Seeing that it is true that the wicked will be eternally punished, he makes another request of Abraham. He asks that Lazarus would be sent back to the earth to warn his brothers who were still living in sin. See, it was too late. It was too late for the rich man. He wanted to blame it that he didn't know. So now he's asking to be sent back to warn his brothers. As we move down to verse 28, for I have five brothers that may testify to them, lest they also come to the place of torment. See, the rich man realizes that he cannot change his eternal destiny. But he does understand one can change it while they're still living on earth. He wants his brothers to be warned by Lazarus. So they will not suffer in the same fate as he is. As we move down to 29, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. It must be remembered that this is still the Mosaic age. God's spokesman for the Mosaic age was Moses and the prophets, that they must listen to them. As we move to verse 30, as he said, no father, Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. The rich man believes that they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, but they would listen to Lazarus if he arose from the dead. You know, we live in a world now that Jesus rose from the dead for us. People ignore it. People don't care. But someday, they're going to have to answer, just as we are in here. In verse 31, but he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rise from the dead. Abraham explains to him that if they did not listen to God's words given by Moses and the prophets, that they would not listen if one rose from the dead. What Abraham said was true. In John 12, 10, when the other Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus, they tried to kill him. When Jesus rose from the dead, the majority of the Jews did not believe his message given by the apostles. Dear folks, short, but it tells us everything. I ask and I beg of you this morning that where's your soul at? The minute after you die, what would you see? See, we can't turn back. We can't go back. I'm asking you this morning, if you are at the age of accountability, if you understand what I'm saying, if I have touched your hearts, if you're not living like God wants you, if you haven't took on Christ, think about it hard. Hold up to the oldest person in here. Are you sure? Are you sure that you had that home in heaven with God? Don't be in doubt. You see, in Proverbs 22, 23, the rich and the poor have in common. God made them all. 
just as in here, he made each one of us. You know, as a reading that Isaac did earlier, even in Mark 10, 25, in Matthew 19, 23, 24, it tells us that it's easier for that camel to go through an eye of the needle than a rich man to go to heaven. You know, that's pretty extreme the way Jesus put that in that, the way he said that. He didn't say it was impossible. And I'm not talking about someone that's wealthy. I'm talking about someone that is rich, one that has gone all far above and left the world behind. Yes, it is impossible. It is impossible for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. But through God's, all things are possible. But what he's telling us here, y'all, anything, anything in this earth that every day that we have, places we go, the things we do, those that we hang around with, those that we see, those that we talk to, if they're causing us to stumble, if they see that we're not living the life that God wants us to live, then we're not right with God. It's okay, young people, to put your foot down and stand for what's right. It's such a great blessing to know when you see a child that's pure in their hearts and they tell it like it is. They say what's in their little minds and hearts. I always love and long for that as I see it, our children coming up. Yes, parents, you're doing the right thing. Boy, are you having your children here. And look at our young ones that's coming up. Look at these new ones with the growth of the church. But most of all, you, don't, you want their souls to go to heaven. I want to ask you this morning to look at your soul, look into your heart. What will you see after you died? If God took you this evening, for some reason or somebody out in this world made a mistake this afternoon and caused you to leave this world, what would you see? Are you okay? Do you know that you lived and done the things that you're supposed to do? Do you know that you'll have that home in heaven? As we sing the invitation song, just a moment, please look into your heart. I know there's out there amongst us that have not took on Christ in baptism. You have this opportunity. It's there waiting on you. Matt, Doug, Derek, the elders, they plead with you. Come. Make it right. There's no way in the world that you'll be able to enter in heaven if you're not baptized, if you hadn't took over Christ, baptism. And then if you have know your heart, if you've fallen away, you said or done something that, that people are watching and knowing, why should I follow him or her? They're not living the life they're supposed to. Whatever the situation might be, will you look into your heart? Will you come at this time as we get there? We stand and sing. When we walk with the Lord,